Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. On today's show... We take a look back at a loss against the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a tough one to take for the Charlotte Hornets. David compares it to Mike Tyson's punch-out, and I ask the guys... What would you do if you're Rich Show? We talk all that and more and more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Wednesday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a man whose only over-the-counter performance enhancers are delicious deli cold cuts. It's David Walker. (laughs) You know what that is, Doug? Turn on the lights. Turn up the lights. You know what I'm saying. That's right. That's right. It's my impression of the Gatorade commercial that never ends. <laughs> also with us today, you wanted him to be positive and look where it got you, Nada Edwards. I, I, I wish I didn't get infected with the idea of positivity. I might have said something <laughs> a little bit wiser had I, had I done that, you know? No, that's not. No, listen, you keep your, you keep your positivity. You, were just, you know, it's not your fault. I'd like to think that. I'd like to think that. It's not all your fault. All right, we are part of the we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Let's start in Charlotte, shall we? Where. There was really no sugarcoating things. The Hornets got a Buzz City beatdown at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks. The score, not indicative of the performance. Hornets lose 118-108. to Anata, we will start with you. As we were just sort of joking about, you upgraded their playoffs to probable last time you were on the show. Uh, where do you have them after that performance? It's over. It's <laughs> effectively over. I, I, I hate to put it this way, especially with everybody losing everybody else losing specifically well with detroit losing and more importantly with miami with miami winning last night i it's hard to see that like with basically nine games left and you're three games back i just don't see it anymore like last night was the game that you needed to have and the show basically not show up is just unconscionable. Now, granted, Milwaukee had a lot to do with that. I saw them hit shots that I haven't seen hit all season. Yeah. And you yeah, see and- Giannis consistently hit threes and it becomes a question of, you know what, maybe it's not your night. 
Yeah, and they, unfortunately, they, these not your nights are, are are getting entirely too common. You know. Yeah, they got off to a great start. Thirty-five points in the first quarter, thirty-seven in the second, and the Hornets' offense <laughs> played reasonably well. Uh, just, I mean, one hundred and eight points. You're going to take that if you're the Charlotte Hornets, but defense has been an issue uh, over the past few games. They just couldn't get off to that good start that they got off to against uh, Phoenix. Uh, David was last night, I think, you know, you're probably echoing a little bit of what Nada's feeling in terms of playoff hopes at this point, but was it more about the results and and Miami winning, or was it about the the effort and the toughness that we saw out of the Charlotte Hornets in a game that meant everything? Well, I mean, it wasn't like this team was going to completely flip the switch to end the season, right? I mean, you kind of had to feel like this was coming at some point. They've been playing well, they've been playing better, but they've been playing against some other teams that, uh, you know, the competition hasn't been that great. And let's see, you know, I mean, Washington, Atlanta, of course, are good teams. Atlanta's doing the slip slide a little bit, but Orlando, you know, they're no good. Um, and, and they got a win against Chicago mixed in there, too, and Phoenix. But, like, Milwaukee's trying to capture that fifth seed. They're really good. If Giannis is hitting three-pointers, guess what? That's a wrap for everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter what else happens. Um, and he only hit one last night. The weird thing was like Middleton. What was he? I don't think oh, he, for five. he hit. Yeah, I mean, so no. It's Tony, we got to talk is, about Tony Snell for a second. Ten of fourteen no. for twenty six points. Uh, of course, we didn't mention him all in, at all in the preview. So of course. of course he was going to have a huge game. Uh, he hurt the Hornets off the dribble. He hit a few spot up threes. He was devastating. And guys, if I asked you who you thought had the majority of the defensive breakdowns that led to Tony Snell's scores. One would, I think, anyone listening would probably think it was Nick Batum, right? I mean, that that's who you would think would guard Tony Snell. But the breakdowns actually came from Marvin Williams, who bit on a pump fake for a Snell slam, left him alone, which is different from a slim slam. Snell uh, slam. Yeah. Uh, Snell yeah. slam is not something yeah. you want. It's, it even sounds weird. Uh, left him alone in the corner off an offensive rebound and had bad footwork on his help defense that left him and Kimba racing back to Snell. They don't communicate, and Snell has a wide-open lane and uh, converts. And then Snell actually beat both Marvin and Nick on the same play at different points in the game. Snell was in the corner. Brogdon passes back to Monroe and then sets a pin down. Snell fights his defender off and cuts to the basket. Monroe delivers the easy lead pass. It's a play uh, similar to what the Hornets run for Marvin Williams. It's a play that you know they saw in the film session and that uh, no, there's no one behind the play to help. Snell used his physicality to move Nick and Marvin out of the way for the score. And I think, you know, that's you, you, you had to have seen that play in the film room, and you have the breakdowns, but more importantly, you just have a, play in Tony, a player in Tony Snell who wanted the basketball more than Nick Batum or Marvin Williams and got it. And I think that's indicative of this entire game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the one thing I'm I'm just thinking about the whole time is just how do you give up a career high to t- Tony Snell when you're in a playoff hunt? When you say one game at a time, h- how do you give up a career high to Tony Snell? Like it's Tony Snell, guys. The guy was basically given away for a bag of basketballs by Chicago. Now, granted, that might say more about Chicago yeah. than it does Milwaukee, but at the same time, it's Tony Snell. If you're if there's a chance that you could be two two games behind my, Miami, 
by the end of the night with eight to play and you still have a, a, a game with Miami, the fact that you allowed that to happen and you allow a bunch of breakdowns by, by because of Tony Snell, I mean, it goes back to not your night, but at the same time, this is the first time where I think we saw the starters fail the team more than the bench. The bench didn't help, but the starters failed the team. This time. Well, we kind of felt that that was coming, too, that the bench was not going to be able to provide enough of a lift, though Jeremy Lamb, one of the players that Steve Clifford mentioned after the game as being one of the few out there trying, he was 6 of 11 from the field, 16 points, did a great job of driving, getting to the rim, and finishing. Let's go out to Steve Clifford after the game with some very, very true-to-Steve-Clifford candid thoughts. And obviously disappointing. I mean, in a game of that magnitude, when you have a lot to play for, you know, they just put a lot more into it than we did. You know, they played harder right from the beginning. Their guys were more ready to play. Uh, our defense was beyond bad. These are the games when the competitors show up, and we didn't. So that's, I mean, that's it. That's it. These are the that's games <laughs> that the competitors show up. And Steve Clifford yeah. has talked a lot about um, this team and and their ability to compete every night, 82 games, and, and he keeps saying it over and over, that's what the good teams do, that's what the best teams do. He said it last night, that's the kind of team that the Charlotte Hornets have been. And, you know, because we've heard in years past, David, him complain about, or not complain, but just say, look, you know, playing playing games against Cleveland or uh, the Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, we're out there trying. We're competing. It's just simply sometimes you just don't have the talent. This season, it wasn't – it may have been a little bit about talent, but it, but it really was about uh, having the guys not give the effort, not try hard enough. Yeah, and that's why it was going to be tough, right, because this has been the story all year long. Uh, he's been saying that every every couple – not every couple games, but every couple games in a stretch. And that's been their issue all year, you know, when they needed to show up or when they've had a do-or-die game, you know, sometimes they have it. And the other team is just outright, you know, tried harder, it looks like at times, than the Hornets have. So that's why it was tough to even envision them getting in uh, if they were – you know, when you looked at the end of the stretch because you felt like, uh, just that's who this team is this year. They're, they're not a team that's going to show up every night for like 20 games in a row. It just hasn't happened all year. Um, and so it's hard to see it happening right now. Does it make you guys feel any better that the Miami Heat get a last second Hassan Whiteside tip in to save a win? Because, I mean, if the Hornets do get that win and, and the Heat do lose, I mean, that make that does make a difference. But um, it was going to take a lot anyway. You know what I mean? And, and that game that the Heat won – coupled with the Hornets' loss, you know, probably seals it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't yeah. going to take a lot. They had they had uh, two more back-to-backs after this, including the final two games of the season against Milwaukee and against Atlanta. Both teams will be fighting for seeding. So uh, not to mention a game against Boston, who they haven't beaten all season and who is the, you know, top team in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, I mean, this was always going to be difficult, Nada. This was going to be difficult, but I thought the way they had turned the corner, the way they had finally shown toughness, the fact that Briante Weber had shown enough to stabilize, well, not necessarily stabilize, but not bury the starters. I thought there was a mm-hmm. ton of chances to at least give this team a chance to succeed. Basically, when the starters fail you, and you, like you said, like Cliff said, you don't have the type of 
the competitiveness night in and night out, I, I that's where it kills you. Well, and bef- that's the thing I didn't factor, well, is well, that the competitiveness from the starters wasn't there last night. Before we get out of here about this game, we've got to talk about Briante Weber uh, not showing up in the second half. It was more, or at least uh, the, the, the very end of the game, uh, Brian Roberts gets the call and plays well. I think uh, <laughs> I felt like the Hornets were trolling Fools you a little gold. bit, Nada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gold. that's fine. That's great. <laughs> right. yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think we want to read too much into anything going on with the backup point guard situation right now. Well, of course yeah. not, because it, no, it's, it, it is a disaster, and they are going to have to address it in the offseason. But I think you can read that b- possibly the Briante Weber experiment, uh, it, it, didn't, it did not continue to work out as they had hoped. I mean, I think we can. I, I think I, that's fair to say. I think. The, uh, I think yeah. what happened is is honestly they're not they're, they're not resting Briante Weber. Stuff, this stuff. is this was not a rest situation. This was Briante no, Weber no. was giving them zero on offense, make it or exact, actually negative on offense, and made a few mistakes on defense. So why not get Brian Roberts in there who can actually that's, organize the offense? That's, that's fine. He would Briante Weber wouldn't be here if if Brian Roberts had been able to keep this ship afloat at all. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. they're just they're just trying to find anything at this point to finish out the season and then reassess. In my mind, and I think it's fine to keep Briante around. It gives you more of that upside. Honestly, I mean, they knew that they knew Brian Roberts was going to be, quote unquote, the steadier guy because he knows the system. But like, the floor is is uh, is lower, I guess, on 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 Roberts, or the ceiling isn't quite as high. So I mean, the ceiling. You're saying the ceiling right is the floor. The ceiling <laughs> is is barely the roof on either one. <laughs> hey, yeah, here's an here, here's an amazing stat for you. The Hornets only turned the ball over four times in this game. That tied a yeah. franchise low for turnovers. Two of those were shot clock violations, so they had a chance to break that record. I said in the preview that this was going to be all about turnovers, uh, so I was dead wrong on that. I did not anticipate them coming out. Uh, I did not anticipate. The Hornets coming out like they were a top four seed with nothing to play for, and I did not anticipate Milwaukee uh, to hey. be as disruptive yeah. as they were. I mean, that the, the length that Milwaukee has uh, is is insane. just incredible. It and, is insane. And, and when they're playing at their at their peak and their shot making is is there, um, they they had a game plan, and we really broke down the game plan in the preview, which was. Um, you know, basically overload the strong side, uh, put pressure on you defensively, put pressure on the point guard position. They did all of that, and uh, you know they 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 won that game. You know, it's yeah. crazy if you, if you look at the the shot charts on these two teams, like the Hornets, everything is funneled right down the middle yeah. of the floor. Like everything, it, literally, even out of the three point line, is almost within the lane. And the Bucks are are all over the place. I mean, they're much more distributed, much more spread out. Um, hit a bunch of those corner threes last night too. So they were just doing everything better and moving the ball and getting better looks from everywhere last night than were the Hornets. That was the crazy thing. They and and I saw that Doug, you had tweeted out that the Hornets' strategy was basically dare the dare the Bucks to hit threes, and unfortunately, they did. Yeah, that, and that was yeah, that it, was the game. It, it was a bold move, Cotton. 
Um, but, you know, I, I think you make an interesting point, David, about the offense and how it's funneled down the middle, and a lot of that was off off cutting, cutting down the lane. MKG, uh, Cody Zeller, guys getting hit as they cut to the lane. But the problem, and this has been a little bit of a problem with the Hornets' offense, is they, they have not had much of a drive-and-kick game. So they get down in the lane, and, and they toss it back out to the three-point line, and there's no one there to knock down shots. But again, 108 points. I don't care where it comes from. You're going to take that as an offense. The the problems oh, yeah. have been uh, defensively for uh, this Hornets uh, team. Final thing here, Nick Batum said after the game, quote, sometimes you need a slap in the face to get back on track. Oh, jeez. It's a little late. A little late. <laughs> that's a little late to say that, Nottie. You need a slap this, in the face. That, like, that, that's that wasn't it. a slap in the face. That was a sledgehammer. That was a sledgehammer across the face. Well, that was, happened. no, that was the, the scene from 300 when the guy gets kicked off the ledge. That's what it is. It's not a slap in the face. Slaps in the face <laughs> no. come in, in January, in late December. Uh, this this was uh, completely different. So I, no, I don't this feel like different. Yeah, th- this feels like in Mike Eisen's punch out when you know there's one more just huge knockout punch coming, and that looks like to, to be the Toronto Raptors game tonight. It feels like the Hornets are just teetering. Exactly. Uh, well, the Hornets don't have any time to really think about this one anymore. They fly out to Toronto to play the Raptors, who are playing just as good if not better basketball than Milwaukee right now. Tip set for 7.30 p.m. The Raptors are on a six-game winning streak without point guard Kyle Lowry. A lot of that success due to the play of DeMar DeRozan, who's averaging 27 points and 5.3 rebounds this season against the Hornets. He is averaging 22 a game, while Serge Ibaka, their newest acquisition, is averaging 14.7 points and 6 rebounds, not to mention P.J. Tucker, another acquisition, stepping in for Damari Carroll, who has been injured the past few games and providing some intense fourth-quarter defense. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, David, you bring up a good point. The Hornets are not mathematically eliminated from this by any stretch of the imagination. and Yet. uh, Yet, but they've got this Toronto team coming up on the second night of a back-to-back. See, honestly, I had penciled – so I I was looking at the schedule and I thought, okay, they can lose two games – after Phoenix, they could lose two games, and I penciled Toronto because it was second night of a back-to-back. That was going to be tough. And then Boston coming up on April 8th because they have not beaten Boston all season, but they've beaten Washington. They had beaten Oklahoma City. Milwaukee was going to be tough on on uh, April 10th. Uh, but, yeah, I had penciled Toronto in for a loss. Now it's a must-win, absolute win. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a must-win, and it's going to be super tough because playing on the road, back-to-back, having just got smacked in the face, uh, it's not really lining up well for the Hornets tonight. It's, it's just, you know, Toronto, another team playing for playoff positioning too, like you said, Doug. So they're going to have something to play for. I mean, it, they're kind of an odd team though. I mean, they've had their off nights too. Um, the Hornets sometimes surprise you and bounce back. This is definitely the last, feels like the last gasp though. And what's the, what's the difference, Nada? Because look, we saw the Hornets uh, have Cody Zeller, out of the lineup and absolutely fall apart as a team and not be able to recover. And we talk all about, oh, well, Cody Zeller's back, and you can see their, you know, whatever their record was without Cody Zeller. And uh, you have a team in Toronto who loses uh, arguably their best player in Kyle Lowry and is able to go, I believe, 13 and 5 since he's been out of the lineup. What's the difference? Simple a bench. It's, it's real simple. You have a bench that doesn't kill you. You can go to a guy like Corey Joseph. 
who I believe is either, I think he's a free agent this year, but still, Corey Joseph is more than a capable backup point guard that can come in, fill in for Kyle Lowry. You have the additions of P.J. Tucker, who stays healthy, who becomes a great perimeter defender to give you those that nice little combination with Damari Carroll, Serge Ibaka being added for very little for basically Terrence Ross and little else helps and as well. I mean, it, it's just the fact that there's depth on that team. And now you're seeing that with a lot of squads, you uh, unlike the Hornets, you can't, they win with seven, eight guys. that. Can, so if one guy doesn't have it, there's another guy to step up. Unfortunately, with Charlotte, they don't have that this year. If the starters don't show up, you get what happened last night. And Toronto is also a team that has achieved the balance, offensive and defensive balance, that uh, Steve Clifford so covets. They are sixth in offensive efficiency and sixth in defensive efficiency this year, one of only four teams to be both uh, top ten in both categories, the others the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Boston Celtics. So this will be a very tough matchup for the Hornets as they travel to Toronto. Uh, David, uh, a guy next to me at the arena last night asked me a very interesting question. He said, uh, if you're Rich Cho, I'm making you Rich Cho for a day, um, oh. what what do you do? What do you do after this season? Uh, so I thought that's a really interesting question, and I thought I would pose it to both of you, gentlemen. Uh, David, we'll start with you. Um, just knowing, seeing what you've seen this past season, uh, knowing the contract situations that they have, it's going to be a a very uh, critical off season for this team. What do you do? Uh, you start by working the phones. I think. I mean, the their options are basically the draft, and then you know working out any trades. And I do think there'll be some trades out there, you know, to be had. I think a lot of times we focus on the trade deadline, but that doesn't mean those potential deals are dead. Especially once you get around draft time, and like a team like Detroit, uh, who could be uh, looking to make some changes, I think would be open to receiving some calls. So I mean, Cho's had success in doing trades. I think that's where he's got to start because. The, the you know the other options the cap space is not ideal. Nada. What do you do? Quite honestly, the first thing I think in order to in order to become successful or to make a change with this team, I think it starts with stretching uh, Miles Plumley. I mm-hmm. think that trade that panic trade costs them a lot of cap space, and it's going to be an albatross in terms of what you want to do. I think that it starts there. I think the second second thing is you got to look for a backup point guard. You have okay, to. Yes. You have to. Now, granted, the options there are going to be interesting. Um, maybe you look, go get a guy like Brandon Jennings, who, who would be interesting in terms of adding attitude. Maybe he becomes the Jeremy Lin that, uh, of last year for this team. After that, you just hope that where you are in the draft, that maybe Miles Bridges becomes available where you are. Now, whether he tests out of that 9, 10, 11 spot for the draft, I mean, those are the next, those are the next three things you do. After, uh, after that, I, I do not know because this team is basically locked in with the contracts that they have. Yeah. yeah, and between between the draft and the mid level exception that they'll have, I feel like they can address the backup point guard. Not that you're gonna um, 
ideally get a backup point guard in the draft. But I think especially with that mid-level exception, hopefully that's kind of the last saving grace that they got right now because you mentioned the, the other options are limited. But they should. there are going to be guys out there, I think, that they can add to upgrade the point. I mean, look, it's not going to take a lot to upgrade that backup point guard position, right? It, you'd think so. You'd think so. But at this point, backup point guards are going to get paid because everybody else is getting paid this year. So we could see a backup point guard get $11 million this year. That's, yeah. that's how crazy the market's going to get. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think no one, nobody really wants to hear not, this. I'm going to say something well, not, that no, I'm going to say something that no one wants to hear. Um, but there, there's not. I don't think there is a ton. And I said this to the, the the guy sitting next to me. I don't know that there is really a ton that Rich Cho and company can do. It, it takes two to tango, and some of the performances that we've seen a, around some of their most tradable assets uh, have been underwhelming. And I, I yeah. just don't know what kind of value you could get out of an MKG, um, out of um, maybe even Cody Zeller. I, I just think these are uh, system players, uh, and and they've been successful within Steve Clifford's system. But I don't know that uh, anyone uh, looks at that from the outside and says, "Okay, I can make, I can take these guys and plug them in." I don't know. Um, but and well, I certainly don't, not I don't, the return that they certainly not the same value. I, I right? think I think a lot of look they they made uh, a bet that the starting lineup was going to play really well together, and and the stats bear that out. The starting lineup, despite the performance last night, uh, have played very well together this season. So they have to address some issues with depth. They'll have the opportunity to focus on that this offseason, unlike last offseason when they really wanted to focus on bringing back Nick Batum and Marvin Williams. Uh, so th- they're going to have limited options to do that. But at the same time, you know, Miles Plumley, th- that situation, di- we didn't get a chance to see if that was going to work out or not. Uh, we may get that chance next season. Um, but Honestly, I mean, they, they've made their bets, and, and a lot of the improvement in this team is going to have to come from within. And yeah. from within, individual players deciding, okay, that wasn't good enough. Um, and and not, wanting, not wanting slaps in the face in March, in late March. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think that's where it's going to have to come from. And, you know, I think we we want to put a lot of this on Rich Cho. We want to put a lot of this on Steve Clifford and ownership, and and not recognize that these were all talented players, and, and that and and there are issues with the starting unit as well. And that's the same starting unit that got the, the got this team uh, to a first round playoff series and almost to a second round playoff series last season. So. You know, I just think a little bit of the responsibility has has to go on these guys to step up and play better next season. I, I, I do agree with you, but the one thing I would tell you is that we knew last year that the bench was an issue in terms of getting this team to the next level, and it went kind of unaddressed. Slash, we're going to rely on younger guys to carry us to learn as we go along. The Jeremy Lamb thing has been constantly inconsistent and unfortunately he that's who he is i don't think and this is the problem i think i had with the marco trade is that you knew he was going to be good for only so so long and the inconsistency started showing up in january again basically from january on the problem is that you have basically locked yourself into a team of veterans that aren't very good. And the 
most tradable asset is the one guy you can't afford to lose in Kemba Walker. The next guy after that might be Cody Zeller because mm-hmm. a guy that can essentially guard the pick and roll the way he does is going to be extremely valuable, especially as a big. So, and I also, yeah, I also think guys like they have to do their homework. They have to be prepared. They've got to be ready to make an addition on draft night, like both in the first and second round. And that's not something they've been able to do. And it's, it's, it's tough to sit here and say, well, they have to hit a home run with, you know, the 11th or 12th pick or whatever. But like if miles bridges is sitting there, that seems like a no brainer. I'm glad everyone's jumping on this, jumping on this bandwagon with me. I'm glad everyone has, has embraced my pick this year. I've seen some fans email us about miles, Brown. I'm glad that um, I can start the Miles Bridges revolution. I'm just saying this is all ever. this is all because of me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know what's going to happen, though, right, Doug? He's <laughs> he's going to end up getting picked like six. Of course, uh, uh, it's just man, like I, Th- it's just like Thon Maker last season and Malik Beasley. Somebody else, somebody else is going to be there. I mean, there's going to be an impact player that they can get. Now they haven't had the track record of getting at it, that guy that's shown out in the first season, certainly, but like they have to do, they, they've got to step that area of their game up. In my opinion, I don't know if it's like scouting. I don't know if it's just draft night preparation, but they got to do something because they've got to be able to add some pieces. All right. I that- would go, I would go one step further on that. Okay. I would say they also have to get back in the first round. I, I don't know if it's trading a veteran. I, I would just say you've got to get back in the twenties. I think you need at least mm-hmm. two rookies this year. At least two rookies, if not three. I would say they need that because you need that. Obviously, you need that injection. You need something that, while it might be inconsistent, will be that can't-miss guy that you can develop in Greensboro. That's what you got Greensboro for, so you might as well use it. All right, tell us what you think. Uh, buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. That'll do it for us on this edition. We will be back tomorrow with a recap of this uh, Toronto Raptors game. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And, of course, thanks to my co-hosts, David Walker and Nada Edwards. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. For David and Nada, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Raptors. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.